You're listening to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. This is Jimmy Miller, an assistant editor at Lawn and Landscape Magazine. Today we're talking to Andrew Bray, the Vice President of Government Relations for the National Association of Landscape Professionals. He joined the organization in July and has since had his hands full with issues like pesticide regulation and labor laws. Well, first of all, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me to, uh, to the show. So you've been with the association for a little over six months. What have you been up to? I got here this past summer, and uh, it seems like yesterday, because I guess it's true that time flies when you're having fun, or uh, when you're extremely busy, and, and, and that's, a, that's a good thing. Um, but our advocacy efforts you know, are extremely important right now. Um, a lot of focus uh, on H-2B reforms, uh, making sure that that cap is increased to reflect actual demand and create some certainty and fairness uh, for compliant uh, employers. And then we've been doing a ton uh, on the lawn care, pesticide, and fertilizer space. Um, some of that was at the federal level uh, in the spring and fall with Farm Bill. Uh, but as we move into January 1, which was, I guess, what, two weeks ago, as lost track of time, we see a lot of attacks on our industry uh, at the state and local level. Um, and, and that's pretty much what we've spending our time on and, and just adapting to the situations daily. Are these both issues that you kind of anticipated you'd have to tackle when you took the job? Yes. Uh, coming from the pesticide industry to some extent, um, I, I, was, I was aware of some of the difficulties we would be facing. Um, there's obviously been some new ones. Is, is this is different industry uh, from the structural pest management industry. Um, we definitely are encountering you know issues with glyphosate, which are receiving a lot of headlines about questioning the safety of the product and an adverse uh, ruling by a jury in San Francisco. Um, so that was something not necessarily fully anticipated, but obviously something that's very important in our space. And then uh, with regards to H2B, that was a relatively new issue to me, uh, but I knew um, from talking with leadership and some of the members before I took the job that that would be a, a huge focus of, uh, of our attention from the advocacy perspective. It looks like you spent over three years at your last job at the National Pest Management Association, and before that you were an associate attorney at the Irving Law Firm. How much did you know about landscaping coming into this new job? Prior to being at the National Pest Management Association, I had very little exposure to pesticide issues. Um, I also knew nothing about how to kill a bug besides stepping on an ant uh, or, 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 you know, hiring a, you know, a professional to come out and do some, some structural pest management services. Uh, with landscape industry, it's a little different. That's why it was a unique opportunity is because I had done landscaping my entire uh, high school and college uh, summer job and, you know, intermittent working career. Um, so what's neat for me is when I'm tackling some of these issues, they become a little more relatable for me. Um, it's a little easier to represent what I think some folks out in the field are going through when you've actually gone through it. Um, when I was putting myself through law school, I was actually working for a landscape company in the mornings, um, doing estimates, and in the winter doing some snow plowing because we had a really snowy winter that year here in the D.C. area. Um, so, so there's differences, obviously, from the policy perspective. But personally, the big difference was that this is an industry that I feel like I have a firm understanding of, and really, um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to represent something that that I that I truly love. How many of the issues that you faced when you were in landscaping beforehand have kind of resurfaced now in this new role? 
So I think the, I guess you hear the saying, ignorance is bliss. I think when I was in high school, uh, I don't think I would have understood H2B or you must have this certification to apply this pesticide or whatever other labor issues were because I was generally out there, I was the labor. So I don't think I really understood or appreciated some of the sophistication and details involved with some of these organizations and, and the problems that our industry is facing because um, they're very serious problems, they're very present problems, and things that we need to be actively engaged on. You talked a little bit earlier about fairness with the H2B laws. So what would the alternative be? How would you fix it? So there's 33,000 visas available for each half of the year, uh, and you have to apply 90 days out of the data need. So the second half of fiscal year, because the fiscal year for the government starts uh, October 1, the second half of the year begins April 1. And that's generally when a lot of people want them in March or April. So there's always a massive push on January 1st, 90 days out, to make the application for those 33,000 available visas. So at midnight on New Year's, instead of celebrating, we had our member companies feverishly requesting visas, 33,000. Well, uh, roughly 97,000 requests were made almost instantaneously. I think it was within the first 15 minutes, and it crashed the system. So after about 10, uh, 10 days, the system was up and running, and they again received all 97,000 applications for 33,000 visas. And we're not sure exactly what the government's going to do, but last year what they did is they did a lottery. Uh, essentially, the federal government is picking winners and losers by saying this company can get theirs versus another. And that is not a sustainable system for our industry, nor is it fair to say you get yours this year uh, and this company doesn't get theirs this year. So I think it's two-pronged. First, clearly, the demand is not reflected in the actual amount. So if, you know, you made 97000 available, well, then everybody gets theirs. Um, the reality is I think Capitol Hill is far away from going to an uncapped system, but we're looking at different mechanisms that would potentially allow for an increased number. You know, maybe increasing the number based on the previous year's demand or tying the numbers to some sort of economic metric such as unemployment rate or uh, implementing, re-implementing, because in the mid-2000s this was allowed, was a returning worker exemption. So if you had them last year or within the last two years over here working for you, then they wouldn't count towards that cap. So in addition to raising the cap, we didn't want to make the system a little more fair even if the cap is reached. And one thing that we had proposed was changing it from – Two, two times a year that you apply, essentially, the two, two, two periods, is go to a four-quarter period. So four different periods in the year where people can apply for visas and then allocate certain portions within that based on demand. And then lastly, if you ever get to a point where you've hit the cap, then you proportionally allocate the available visas, meaning if everybody gets something, you don't go all to somebody and none to something, it might mean if you apply for 10 but the cap is reached, you don't get all 10, but you at least get 8. Or you apply for 40, you're not going to get all 40, you're going to get 33. Again, we're talking with Andrew Bray. Last thing for you, Andrew, before I let you go, we spent a lot of our time talking about what you've already worked on. But what about some of the stuff you haven't gotten to yet? Are there issues that you want to focus on in your new position that you just haven't had the time to do yet? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of things out there. I think that there's some really interesting Space in stewardship, um, showing the good that our industry is doing for the environment, uh, how impactful positively to the environment, you know, proper fertilizer and nutrient management can be, how positive the impact using pesticides can, can make on a community, not only protecting public health. And then with the H2B, I really want to hone that message even
even stronger on the economic benefits of it and how this actually provides additional domestic workers. And I know I've kind of been working on it, but I think we've just touched the surface. I think there's so much more out there to do, and there's stuff to learn daily, and, uh, and that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about putting our industry in a position where we're viewed as part of the solution, not part of a problem. Thank you so much for your time, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me. You guys have a great day. You just listened to a podcast on the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. For more podcasts, go to lawnandlandscape.com and click resources, or click on the podcast tab listed right above this window. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.